Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As Hi there and welcome to the Jane Anderson Show. I am so thrilled you are here and thank you for being part of our community. You know, this podcast is all about being able to introduce you to people that we've worked with and exciting guests who have in particular grown their practices and their consulting practices um, to be able to you know get their message out there to be able to tap into and leverage their expertise to grow their businesses and to be able to you know have that impact that they have really wanted to have in their uh, in their work and also to really live the dream is to be able to you know really be able to uh, enjoy what they're doing and to be able to have the flexibility the lifestyle and the freedom to be able to do and create the life that they want to live. So today's very special guest is, I want to share with you, her name is Alison Crabb. She is a real real estate, what am I saying? Retail leadership expert. Um, And she spent 25 years working with some of Australia's most recognised and successful retailers. Um, She led the largest division of the Flight Centre Travel Group, which is a big travel chain you've probably come across. Um, And she ran that division for eight years. Uh, And her focus was on continuing improvement. So she saw her division recognised as the group's most improved division for six out of those eight years. So she's got an incredible record of success. She really focuses in on retail operations and leadership, leading teams and teaching others to create an environment of trust, purpose and inspired culture where people work cohesively to, um, towards really shared those shared goals. Um, she led multiple brands under the Flight, Travel, um, Flight Centre Travel Group. She was responsible for delivering results in over 200 stores in excess of 100 new stores as an area leader and state manager. She delivered profit from $18 million to $49 million in eight years, and she was the winner of the Flight Centre Directors Award for Global Outstanding Achievement. She was also a finalist in the Telstra Business Women's Award a few years ago. Some of the retailers that she's worked with, with have included things, companies like the Accent Group, La Visa, Officeworks, Strand Bags, The Reject Shop, Blue Illusion, Travel Associates, TravelX, 99 Bikes, and the Pancake Parlor. These are all big brands here in Australia if you haven't heard of these before. I really wanted to get Alison on because she's done a phenomenal job in building her practice. She's really open today and being able to share some super practical things. I love how straight talking she is and she cuts through the crap and to be able to tell you exactly what you need to do and some of the things that she's implemented in her practice. If you want to reach out uh, after the podcast, you're most welcome to send me a note. You can jump on the Jane Anderson website, jane-anderson.com or make sure you subscribe, join the community so that you keep up to date with what uh, the latest podcasts and all the other information that's coming out. Also, we have some events coming up in 2022, so make sure you jump on and uh, you can see on the events page what's on as well. So take a listen to the podcast. Please reach out. I'd love to hear your insights and what you learned from Alison. All right. Hi there, Alison. Thank you so much for jumping onto the podcast today. I have been so pumped in being able to interview you today you have one of the most extraordinary practices and particularly coming from a retail background 
my God, I wish I met you years ago <laughs> when I was a retail area manager. Uh, but Alison, you're on today because I wanted to have the opportunity to speak with you or more ask you and go under the bonnet in your practice because you have this incredible practice and you obsess around the human connection in your in your practice. You've come from an extraordinarily successful corporate career in being able to, you know, you looked after um, uh, the largest division in flight center that was the most successful in the division. You held that position for eight years and now you're out working with other organizations, particularly retailers to help them to, you know, emulate this similar success. And you've written your book, you've done all this incredible work. Um, let's start with, tell us about your practice. How did you start your practice? Like, did you just jump out of corporate or did you build up on the side? Like, how did all that happen to, and to get to where you are today? Yeah, thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, well, I guess, um, uh, you know, what I thought would be after, you know, graduating from um, teacher's college, teaching for a few years, I thought I'd just take a year away from teaching and go and have a fun job yep. and travel industry sounded like fun. So I thought I'll do that for a year and then go back into my real job of uh, teaching. But uh, of course, uh, I managed to get a job with the with Flight Centre and 12 months led to 25 years. Um, so uh, that 12 month sabbatical didn't quite pan out how I had thought, but I had an amazing 25 years with an extraordinarily uh, fabulous company. Um, and um, I guess the key thing about, about um, selling travel is that the only, the only product you've really got or the only asset you've got is people. We're not, you know, not a retailer that's got products on the shelf. Right. So you can, you know, you can buy that same seat on a plane from anywhere. So why would you buy it from, from Flight Centre? Yeah. So I guess I had a, a fabulous um, degree, if you like, mm. in how to lead people because that's really all you had. Yeah. Um, so I guess um, thank you for acknowledging my success. I'm really proud of what, what I was able to achieve at Flight Centre. Um, and I, I, through that, um, I guess that teaching background, it's always been in my blood, but I think the number one thing that really drove my results was people development right. and particularly leadership development. I had a very, very big team. You know, I had 1,400 people at one stage. I led 212 stores across five, five brands. Um, so really leadership development was my number one strategy. So it's always been my thing, my passion. Um, so I guess, you know, I came to a point where I was turning 50 and, um, you know, leading such a large business, um, it was a lot of work. Uh, and, uh, at times it was exhausting as much as I loved it. And so I think I got close to turning 50 and thought, is this how I want to spend the next decade? Right. And I headed off on a European holiday in the November for three weeks. And uh, that was going to be my time to really reflect on what I wanted to do. And I took a little notebook with me. Yeah. Um, I um, read a couple of really fantastic books. And when I got back, I'd made the decision, along with Shane, my husband, that I was done. Right. So I resigned November 15 and right. finished up with Flight Centre in March 16. Yeah. So I had gave four months notice. Yeah. Um, and started my practice in May 16. So yeah. it was a very short leading time. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's fair to say I probably didn't quite know what I was doing. Um, but at the start, all I knew is that I had really good IP yeah. and I just needed to get it out to, to the world. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I mean, I'm coming up to five years now and, you know, my practice has grown and I've learned a lot. Um, And um, yeah, I'm really happy with what I've achieved so far. Oh, you've done an incredible job. Like I'm just looking at things even behind you. Like I'm looking at your branding positioning, like you've got, so the positioning or the category is a retail leadership expert. And then behind you, you've got inspiring the humanity of business. So this is the obsession that you kind of have or that worldview that you're seeing when you're working with these leaders around this humanness and connection. And that's, if we look at, you know, the notes, if I go back, you know, two big things that you delivered, these are the things that drove your success, like 18 million to a $49 million profit when you're at Flight Centre. This was sort of this obsession that you had around particularly the leadership development to get those sorts of results over eight years. Um, you won the Flight Centre's Director's Award for Global Outstanding Achievement. You're a finalist in the Telstra Business Women's Award. So these aren't, this isn't just kind of, it's easy to get caught up in, I think, in the idealism of, oh, that sounds really nice, but this actually really means something it's really concrete and and a key part of the results that that um that you drive mm-hmm. um and looking behind you you've got books on your shelf as well that big pile there is that your book behind you yes there yes so, that's my book. <laughs> tell i'd love to know so can you grab one and show us love to see it while we've got you so this is your book, The Essential Guide for Area Leaders. And what does it say? Just lift it up a little bit in retail. Yeah. So, man, I wish I had that book when I was an area <laughs> manager. Um, Alison, you've done some, like, I mean, a book is an incredible milestone to implement or to create, like to actually have the, to know what to say. And a book's a really vulnerable piece of work to do mm. as well. Like if you think about some of the things that you've implemented, like a book's one thing, what are some of the things that, you know, to be able to get, you've had incredible growth in your practice and the organisations that you're working with now, what do you think have been some of the things that have been pivotal to your success and that you've done over, say, even just the last 12 months? Yeah, look, I would say the book has been the number one collateral, if you like. Right. Um, uh, and I wrote the book in, uh, well, I started writing the book, you know, as we all experienced through COVID, you know, my diary, like many people, um, was cleaned out within three days. Yeah. After having a massive meltdown and thinking, what am I going to do now? You know, three years of hard work has all gone in three days. Mm. Uh, and then once I, you know, recalibrated where I was at, um, I thought, right, you know, I've been trying to get this book done. I think it took me 18 months to get 7,000 words done. Right. And I thought, right, going to be in lockdown, which I thought would be about 12 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought, that's it. I'm just going to focus on this book. And because it was all in my head, I knew my content. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it, it wasn't a hard book to write. It was just focusing and being disciplined on the time. So I made a commitment that I would um, over the over the next, you know, however long it would take, write 500 words a day. Right. Even days that I didn't feel like writing, uh, the seven days a week, it was 500 words a day. Now, there were some days uh, where I was, you know, on a roll and got 4,000 words done. Right. But the commitment was always 500 words a day. Okay. So it took 13 weeks to right. get the book written um and uh off to the editor off to the designer um and in september 
2020, the book arrived in my little hands. <laughs> then the key was getting it out, obviously getting it out to the world. Yes. Um, it's a very specific book for retail for a very specific role, yep. which I believe is the best job in the world in retail when done well. Yeah. Um, but I also think it has the greatest impact on results for a retailer. Right. Um, and prior to that, of course, I was really trying to break through in the retail market, yes. but it was really hard to demonstrate your expertise. Right. Um, and having this book, getting it out, and more importantly, getting amazing feedback without even asking for it. I was getting LinkedIn messages and emails from great retailers saying, got your book. You're such a, it's so on point. Um, it's very specific to the role. You clearly know this role. We would love to have a chat. And so things sort of evolved from there. So, Alison, like that book, when you look at it, I, why did you decide to write that one instead of like just a leadership book instead of like that one in particular? Yeah, look, when I first set up my practice, my, my, my thing was people leadership, leading people. Yeah. But I look back now um, and that is so broad. Leading people is so broad. Mm. Um, and even though clearly leading people is relevant to every industry, even a tech industry, it's about leading people. Mm. Um, so what I, the advice I got that I didn't take was um, that I need to get very narrow on my market. My thing is retail and people who know me well know that I'm a retail leadership expert. That's what I do. That's what, that's what achieved all my results. But in my head, it was like, no, 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 you know, retail won't invest on lead in leadership. I need to be all things to all people. Mm. Um, and that's what I tried to do. Um, and look, I did have some success. I, I, I did okay. Yes. Um, and, but it wasn't until that I wrote the book um, with no expectation that it was going to change my practice. It was really more, this has been, this is a love piece of work, if you like, right. a passion piece of work. Yes. And um, I know it can make a difference if I get it out. And so that was one, it got me through COVID in the first <laughs> lockdown. But secondly, um, I'm really proud of the book. I, I look at it now and I think that those strategies in the book are still relevant today. There's nothing I would change. So that was even, learning. And that was, there was really nothing even written for area managers. There in, isn't any. Really, is no, well, when I would approach retailers, and I did have some meetings, um, I found it really hard to demonstrate my expertise in a, in a meeting. Right. Um, you might have 20 minutes, half an hour to demonstrate your expertise. Yeah. Um, and what I would often come up against, particularly with the larger retailers, was, oh, we do all of our own in-house training. Um, and yes, they do. But what I found was it was very broad to leadership. It was just, right. you know, very broad. It would be around some communication strategies and things like that. Whereas this book is a prescriptive how-to guide to be an impactful area leader or right. area manager um, and, and do it in a way where you are not working, you know, 20 hours a day, which is what many area leaders yeah. are doing to get the job done. That's what I was <laughs> Yes. And Alison, I, the impact of that, you started to talk about, you had um, people reaching out to you on LinkedIn, you started to get all these messages mm. and then... You even got a message from a billionaire. Is that right? I did. Um, the book got into the hands of um, a billionaire um, legendary retailer uh, who lives in Monaco. 
Yes. Um, but he was the key founder of some of Australia's biggest retailers, you know, Adairs, Bras and things. And he's the major shareholder of a couple of really big retailers here in Australia. Uh, and so he, re he read the book. I got this email one night. Um, and when I Googled who he was, I went, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so, of course, emailed him straight back because in his message, he said, I'd love to organise a Zoom call with you. So it was about a week later, we had a Zoom. Um, I sh he shared more about his story. I shared more about mine. Um, and now I'm working in some of his really big brands, which, um, which is great. Yeah, That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, and how did the book get in his hands? Well, it was through another major retailer. Um, that uh, that uh, I just started working with. And after even just two days of my uh, Ultimate Area Leader program, after the first two days, the feedback they'd received was incredible. Um, and so he sent a copy of the book over to um, Monaco. And that's how, right. it, how it all got going, yeah. yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like just the power of a, a piece of collateral like that, how it talks for you when you're not there. It's it's something that can travel and move. And yeah. in your case, it moved from not just someone's office in mm. a business within four walls of a building, but it, it travelled to Monaco. Yes. Okay. That's incredible. Yes. Um, Alison, what impact do you, uh, what are some of the other collateral that, or like what, what, what role, what impact do you think collateral and the right collateral and actually it's a discipline to sit down and write these things, like you said, you know, like even just your book. But what impact, um, uh, what are some of the collateral that you build and what impact have they had for you in your practice? Yeah, I mean, look, um, you, might, you might recall back in October 2020, of course, the book came out in September. Yes. So really what I needed to do was to be able to leverage the book and really start to hone my um, positioning yeah. around retail. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd really made the decision I'm going all in with retail. And of course, I've got clients in other industry, particularly in sport, um, in the travel industry, etc. But probably 70% of my work now is retail. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I connected with you back in uh, October 2020. Yeah. Um, and my number one um, uh, thing was about, you know, really that positioning. Yeah. And so, you know, through the Joyful Selling uh, Women with Influence um, group that, that I'm a part of with you, um, it was really about honing in all of my collaterals so that everything was on point and it was very clear to anybody that read anything knew what I did. Yes. So it was my LinkedIn profile. So instead of it being, you know, speaker, trainer, author, it was more about retail leadership expert, area leader development, state manager development, et cetera. So very clear straight away what I did. Right. Um, I would say probably the biggest piece of collateral that's made the biggest difference would be having a brochure. Right. So um, instead of me going prior to having the brochure before working with you, I would go into a, an organisation You'd listen to their challenges, you'd go away, you'd put a proposal together, even though you knew what 80% of their challenges were going to be, mm. you'd go away and you'd put a proposal together and then you'd send them the proposal and then you'd spend weeks chasing them up and where, you know, how did you find the proposal, et cetera. Yes. So it was well long drawn out. But what I realise now is sometimes a client, they know what they want to fix, but they don't know how to do it. Yes. So by having the brochure, what I do now and have done since you helped me with my brochure um, back in January, the brochure um, speaks very clearly that I know what the problems are um, broadly 
and here is the solution and here's what it costs. This is what, you know, this is how I can help you and this is what you'd be looking at. And the feedback I've had from every retailer that I've met with now is, wow, she knows her stuff. Um, She clearly knows what our problems are. Mm. Um, And they also love, here's the price. Right. Yeah. And so it makes selling really easy. Yes. Um, It speeds it up because, of course, I'm not now going away writing proposals because I've got, here's the ultimate area leader, bronze, silver, gold sort of thing. Um, This is what I'd recommend for what you're looking at, et cetera. Um, And they love it. And, you know, I sold a $50,000 program in 40 minutes with Mm -hmm. a brochure. And this was a retailer that um, I uh, uh, couldn't even get a meeting with because they said that um, they do all their own in-house training. Right. Just just give me half an hour of your time. Right. I sent the book. They love the book. Um, And yeah, $50,000 program in 40 minutes. Wow. So they got the book, you went into the meeting, you had a brochure there and decisions made, like they could see the value of what you're bringing rather than you trying to, trying to describe, or like you said, demonstrate your expertise with nothing for you. Yeah. So it was really perfecting the brochure, particularly the work that I did with you around my value model and, um, and, and those little elements of the brochure um that really made a difference and the other thing had I even had a brochure I may have even just had my brochure on the website and you were very much like no 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 that's for when you meet with them yeah and that makes so much sense now of course um so you know just those little little um little things that make a huge difference and then of course my website for and that's something for my when I look for 2022 what's my number one strategy I'm going to be obsessed over my website with my website so I'm doing a major overhaul even though it's probably 70% okay as yeah. I've evolved and as I've learned more through this year my my website needs to evolve as well right. so that's a big project I'm working on hopefully get it finished by Friday that's my goal this oh awesome <laughs> great it's you know because these are all collateral that are talking for you when you're not in the room isn't it and it's all yeah uh, how yeah. do I keep describing my value, whichever touch point people interact with, whether Correct. it's book, yeah. um, the website. And the website can be hard because you you sort of sometimes just, I don't know, just get something up, that'll do. But yeah. the, the thing is, is that if, if, there's, if the website's not right, you don't get clients calling you saying, do you know your landing page has got no, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. address my problems and it doesn't, you're not going to get that kind of right. feedback. So no. you just don't know. Um, uh, but a couple of things you've mentioned here is just around the collateral speeding up the process. And yeah. so when you're in that meeting with those clients is that, you know, you, you were a bit closer to a yes, no, or a maybe. And even if it's a no, that's fine. At least we know. And yeah. then, and if you're, you know, they're way off the mark. We've got no budget. Okay, well, at least we know, or you can work out a solution. And so you're getting a bit closer to, well, when do you want to run it? As opposed to the next conversation is, oh, we'll take the brochure and we'll talk, or we'll we'll go away and build a proposal, like you said, and that drags out for weeks. And then you're like, ah, these people said they were going ahead and my pipeline, you're stuffing up my pipeline because you said you're going to go ahead. And that creates all that stress and anxiety, doesn't it? It does, um, it does. There's something that you talked about quite early on 
um, that you did specifically even in your brochures to get things to work quite right for you. And that is around understanding how your customer buys. And you talked a lot about, you really understood um, our pricing models and just mm -hmm. how to get, like one thing is to get that value proposition right and to be able to value your expertise. But even some of the things if I think about and remember, and you still obsess about this now is, you know, even per person pricing as opposed right. to package pricing. Um, are you happy to share a little bit about your thinking behind that and what you've done? Yeah, um, look, you need to know your market fairly well. Um, mm -hmm. But the way I designed the brochure was rather than it being, um, and this program will cost $50,000, I yes. did it on a per person basis. Yes. Um, because I know my market, I typically know how many area leaders are in, in an organisation and how many are in each state, et cetera. So what I did is went to a per, per, per person uh, model. Um, so, you know, for instance, uh, one of the programs is $3,000 per person. Yes. So for a senior leader, it's a, it's a very easy decision to say, oh, wow, $3,000 for a senior leader for a six-month program, oh, wow, that's, that's, um, that's really good. That's really good value. You know, that's not a lot to invest in mm. our people. Um, and so then when you do the numbers, because I know my market, um, it, would, it would typically be, uh, turn into uh, around a forty-five dollars to $70,000 program. Right on a per person basis. So of course, you know, you need to know your market a little bit to do that, but um, I've found that that's worked so much better. Yes. For me. Yeah, and you really understand those buying cycles too. Like yes. you're coming into retail, okay, well, you pretty much can't talk to us in Christmas, uh, right. December, January, and then February, you got back to school type stuff or you got back to work yes. type times. Like knowing that customer and those retail cycles and how they buy, timing of things, yes. um, your comms, like you religiously are doing your newsletter all the time. You're so on brand. Um, so I love these comments you've made here around you know, focusing in on that positioning, getting really tied on the niche and knowing exactly who you serve. Um, and um, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of, you know, people say confidence, but I think it's courage. There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of fear that comes with that niche, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, the first thing I went very narrow on was yeah. my LinkedIn profile I remember you and I spent quite a bit of time where you pulled my LinkedIn profile apart gave me lots of yeah. advice and then I spent the next couple of days updating it and getting it really on brand which I was hyperventilating uh, because you know <laughs> this mindset that I had that yes. many of us have, uh, have gone through with no 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 because then what if someone out of retail wants me though yeah. and you know it was this you know the, the surely if I just call myself a leadership expert um, I'll attract more clients, but no, it, it, it is so counterintuitive, I know, but it works. Yeah. That the closer I got to, I, I'm a retail leadership expert. I specifically work with area leaders, state managers, executive teams. It changed everything. And so then the next thing was my website. Yeah. And that was another big, oh, you know, <laughs> and slowly now my website is just, you know, retail, very retail focused. And it's about to go into another update this week um yeah. with um even more narrower in retail yeah yeah i love that you know it takes so much courage to do that but once you've got it, it means you're so much more, um more referable you know it's a bit people go oh it's retail oh you need to talk to allison like there's just no question about it like oh no i who do you know who's a leadership expert oh there's this person this person this person 
oh, maybe you should talk to Alison. Like you're not the first thought, but if you've got that narrowing in the niche, is that you yeah. just go oh, straight away, just yeah. talk to Alison. And, you know, you've got to talk to her. So you've had a social media campaign. Um, and what about in terms of your growth over the, like you, because you had new photos done, you had a um, wardrobe updates, you've had, yeah. and what other things, like you've had, systems new business manager come on board yeah. um what are some of those are you happy to go into like some of those types of things that you've done as well uh yeah yeah absolutely yeah what i noticed then when i looked at my photos for my website and um for anything really uh they were a bit corporatey right so they were a bit more suit type you know um and what i need what i what i needed was to suit that retail market Mm. Um, you know, I work with a younger demographic now and I needed to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more relaxed. Right. So I had a new set of photos done, which were me in white, you know, white sneakers and, you know, blue jeans and things like that. So mm. it just suited that retail market a little bit better. It was still, you know, well presented, et cetera, but it was just that younger looking, yes. you know, a bit more hip. And the photos were a bit more relaxed as well, not so corporate behind a desk. Yeah. But a bit more, you know, hanging on a chair or, you know, hanging behind a chair, sitting on the floor, you know, just yeah. a little bit more of a casual, um, you know, a casual piece. And I think, you know, the, the, narrow you, the narrower you can get in your market, it actually makes life easier for everything else. You know, I'd, I'd have to be honest and say the biggest, you know, the, the, the biggest, when I look back, the biggest mistake I made, one of the biggest mm -hmm. mistakes I made is for the first two years, I didn't focus on build list building. Wow. So what I, in other words, I would go and run a workshop, and that might be in the sports industry or in a in in a tech company, and I would you know work with them, and then I would not collect their data. I had no newsletter. I didn't even connect with them on LinkedIn most of the time. Right. And I think what a, look at all that great data that I've lost in that first. Um, first couple of years and again that was sort of what you helped me with was no you need to be list building you need to and so then when I got things going with my newsletter um, the part of the reason why I wasn't list building what I realized the reason why I wasn't list building before is writing a newsletter was so hard right. because who am I writing it to what are their problems well it depends what industry they're in and it <laughs> and so it became so difficult to write a newsletter or a blog Yes. Um, and even when you'd write one, maybe you hit the mark, maybe you didn't. Yeah. Whereas the narrower I became by focusing on retail, I know their problems, I know what they need, you know. And so writing a newsletter, writing a blog became so much easier. So, of course, right. now I've got the cadence of writing regularly because I know who I'm writing to and what I need to be writing about. Right. So you don't have to overthink it. You just go, okay. yeah, great. That piece yeah. of content, I know exactly. Oh, or if you're in a workshop that week and you go, oh, this problem's come up. Oh, there's a yeah. blog in that. Yeah, so you're not relevant. overthinking, oh, hang on, is right. that relevant for that group and yes. not that one? And That's right. right. And then as soon as I'm work, about to work with, start working with a group, um, I, you know, obviously we collect their data. It goes straight. We connect on LinkedIn, goes straight into my um, uh, newsletter, into my database. Um, and so I'm connected with them straight away, you know. So you've got those systems Correct. in place now. So yes. you turn up, great, email, done, yes. lift, newsletter, yes. and now you've got the rhythm 
sort yes. of moving. So what else have you done with your systems to sort of get them um, moving? Because you brought on a business manager as well. That's a big step to do. Yes. That. Look, I, what I what I did in June of this year, I had prior to that, I had one business manager who did everything, so to oh, speak. Okay. So to speak, you know, did everything from, you know, trying to put a newsletter together to um, setting up meetings, you know, type thing. So what I, and, and, and she still works for me, but she's now got a full-time job through COVID. We right. decided that was going to be good for her. And so she still works for me. Her passion and her skill is uh, designing collaterals and putting amazing things together. So she works probably about four hours a month for me okay. and designs my brochures, um, designs uh, any piece of uh, any worksheets or anything I need, et cetera, um, for any of my programs. Okay. So what I've done is what I call outsourcing to experts. <laughs> um, and this is a, you've got to, to implement this strategy. You've, you've got to be aware of this, the pitfall, not pitfalls, but the things you have to do as the leader of your practice. Mm. So I have a bookkeeper who does all my invoicing and my quarterly accounts, etc. Right. I have um, a business manager slash programs manager. She literally runs the program. So everything from, uh, setting it all up, uh, setting everything up so that um, uh, each workshop is planned, structured, um, worksheets are printed, so everything, a lot of client-facing stuff. Right. Um, and um, and then I have somebody who does all my social media and marketing, etc. cetera. Right. So I found outsourcing to experts, um, I'm getting much better quality of work. Okay. What you need to be aware of, though, as the leader of your practice that you need to commit to communication with each of those people. Yeah. So with my social media person, we meet the first Monday of a new month. All right. And we work out, it takes about half an hour, what the plan is for the month. Yeah. Um, my programs manager, we meet for a, uh, a coffee if we can on a Monday. If not, it's on Zoom every Monday. Yeah. yeah. And then we have a 15-minute meeting on a Wednesday and a Friday morning. Great. Um, Nat, who does all my collaterals, it's on an as-needs basis. Um, and, um, and my bookkeeper, we've got a little spreadsheet going. I update the spreadsheet if an invoice needs to go out um, or needs to be uh, created and that with a date for it to go out, and she just runs that. So nice. it works beautifully, but I'm finding it's actually saved a lot of time because I'm using experts in their field for yeah. each element of my practice. And I've found that's worked much better for me rather than having one person doing everything. Yeah. That's a lot to ask of one person to be an expert on to do everything. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I reckon that's such a smart strategy because you know you go through this challenge of recruitment process. You're like, okay, I'll do up a job description, I'll throw it on seek, I'll find a business manager. And then you're frustrated because they can't, you know, they go, oh, just get someone who's been in an EA in corporate. You go, EA in corporate, they haven't used MailChimp, ActiveCampaign, Asana, no. like all the systems. Correct. Well, they haven't, they, you know, the, a lot of the work uh, for the person who's running your practice really is marketing and comms and program delivery. But even if it's program delivery, you know, ideally, they, they kind of need to have come sometimes from a training background to know you've got to do confirmations and run sheets and, um, you know, all the feedback forms and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So otherwise, you're just having to think of everything. And then, um, uh, but um, I love this is that you're right, is that if you can get those right people around you, 
people you, it can sometimes I think sometimes people can be afraid of uh, but that means me having to manage five different people. Well, actually, you actually end up managing a hell of a lot less. Correct. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I found that because even putting a newsletter together, I had my business manager doing it. That's not her thing. No. So she would often, I'd, she'd send it to me and then I'd amend something and then she'd send it back and then we'd change it. It's so time consuming. Whereas no, now, yeah. you know, about a 20, 30 minute meeting once a month, map it out this is the message, this is what uh, she what, put something together. And, and sometimes I might add a story, which clearly yeah. I've got to do yes. um, or add something to it, but it's 95% done. It takes me right. 10 minutes yeah. to, you know, to, and sometimes I don't change a thing. I'm right. like, perfect the way it is. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And what are some of the software platforms you've got, Alison, like for, for yeah. those newsletters, are you like, is it MailChimp yeah. or ActiveCampaign or what are yeah. some things you find you use and work well? Well, I think um, um, Bryony, who's come on as my business manager slash programs manager in June, yes. she's an ex-flight centre travel consultant. So clearly skills-wise is just so well suited, having to multitask, be organised, et cetera. Just, she's just brilliant. Right. Um, that's when you um, just started, I think, with practice in a box. Yeah. And I thought when I spoke to you about I thought wow this is the perfect time maybe to look at doing that so that's what we did so we set up um Asana mm. as that platform and then you set up the practice in a box and Bryony just ran with that um and I think it probably saved us six months of work because now everything is systemized you know for a coaching client it's systemized ultimate area leader program bronze silver gold it's systemized so right. nothing falls through the cracks yeah. um and there's consistency i'm a big you know big fan of consistency yes um as well and that really helps with consistency yes um, so that would be the, probably one of the key platforms um i'm about to move from mailchimp to active campaign because my yep. my practice has grown now where i need something a little bit bit more sophisticated mm. um i've signed up to kajabi which again bryony's been running that so um yeah so they would be the main platforms that i that i'm using I yes. would say. yeah like i think it's easy to um i think there's so many different systems out there and i know we've been through i think i did five different crms before i just yeah. wish i just bloody started with active campaign and yeah. and asana is a progression isn't it like you sort of start with your checklists whether they're word documents or yeah. you know spreadsheets and things but you do get to a point where you've got to be able to delegate and you've got to you can't keep repeating yourself and you can't keep waking up at night. Have I done that? Have I done that? Oh shit! Hang on. Um, exactly. So <laughs> oh, I haven't contacted that client. Oh, I really yeah. should reach out to that client. Like, yes. yeah. And I think that's. I think being part of your community has saved me a lot of time and money by not trying different systems and things yeah. that you know you're you're very clear on which systems you feel work best for your practice depending on where your practice is at yeah so I think it's just saved a lot of time and money rather than trying to experiment myself which I'm not good with technology at the best of times right it's certainly not my thing so right. just tell me what I need to do <laughs> what platform to do it on and I'm good to go but uh, you know that's a really valuable point Alison because I think for a lot of particularly when you've had more than 20 years experience you started back before computers were probably you were still probably doing um, memos on 
paper. You're probably around when computers were installed in the workplace. Before mobile phones, Jane. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yep, you still had to use the phone desk. Um, you know, so I think when you haven't come through, you know, particularly for those in our community, generally 20 plus years experience. So you've come through that transition, but you, you know, that whole goal is to how can how can we keep you in your expertise? Because we don't want you to have to become an Asana expert. We don't want you to have to become an active campaign because all those things are all distractions. Yeah. And yeah. go, how can we just get the right get the system right and keep it simple that it will grow with your practice so yeah. you don't have to keep changing yeah, yeah. um and also because that's a big risk to your data as well um but also like you said with bronies is how do you bring on the right support if you can get those two things working particularly once you get some runs on the board with your practices that um with selling to get a few good deals under the line over the line go okay now i can start to move this out so i can just stay out here yeah. and keep creating yeah. keep running yeah. um and you've done an incredible job at that and now you're on to your next book like you're now yes. starting to get the space Correct. to go okay now i can start to focus on where my value continues to be yes. um i can work out what's the next program i'm launching um uh, which is so valuable. What's your next book going to be about, Alison? So the next book um, will be, I haven't exactly finalised the title, but it'll be, you know, the, the area leader book is very operational yes. and very how-to, um, whereas the next book will be more for state leaders and general managers in retail, and it'll be a lot more strategic. Right, okay. So the key element from a strategy point of view, the, but from, not from, you know, um you know customer and and omni channel and all of that there are far better people qualified to speak of those things for me it's always going to be about people people so at a strategic level if you're the ceo or the general manager of a retailer how do you lead your people at okay. that level so yes. it's still going to be very people leadership focused yes. but at a not so hands-on level it's more at a strategic level so it'll be like the essential guide for general managers in retail sort of things and how good is that like I think back to when I was like I was as you know had a capability at um, super retail group so you know to have someone like you back then like we they, we just there was just no one like that around to be able to say well who gets that who gets because you know in my case I know when I was delivering those programs you're going we've got acquisition phases to go through We've got how do we get leaders for the executive team? It's now all that retention, succession planning, you know, all those things to go. How do we create the future of our business? Yeah. So, um, which all, is all strategy, and then to be able to go, well, how do we retain these people at that front line, those area leaders? But now we've got to really think strategically about what we're trying to do in our growth and think and be really mindful around what are we going to do to make sure this is a great place to work and uh and how to continue and retain those people to keep them coming through yeah. because retail is a tough game like you know I, I remember having a group of when i first started with a group and i was like there's a 50 percent attrition rate here you know we've you know retail's tough particularly um people don't necessarily sometimes see it as a career path but it can definitely be a career path so i think a lot of um retailers particularly post-covid trying to work out how can we you know, not lose good people so that we can, um, you know, yeah. create something really sustainable regardless of what 
whether it's omni-channel, whatever, it's bricks and mortar, if it's digital, it's a whole blend of all those things. Um, How are we going to do it? Because the future of retail um, is people, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, you know, particularly at the moment, uh, you know, we hear about the great resignation. Yes. Retail um, right now is really struggling, really, really struggling. And, you know, they've got typically a younger workforce, um, and the stories I'm hearing, you know, particularly at the moment with having to check in at the door of, you know, when you go to go to go shopping, you know, each time you walk into a store, you've got to check in. And, you know, some of the horrific stories I've heard from people, um, you know, that I'm working with around customers, you know, and, you know, staff copying abuse. And, you know, you've got 19, mm-hmm. 20 year olds that are just trying to do what they've been told to do and do their best. And so, you know, that is all impacting um impacting uh retention as well so yeah. all you know what COVID has done for retail there's never been a, a more important time right now to be focusing on people right looking after them yeah so Alison here like big things I'm taking away here in terms of your practice um and thank you for being so open and generous today you've talked about um you know really focusing on the positioning being able to get to a point where you can leverage your thinking and being able to get it, particularly in collateral, big one, you talked about the importance of your book. Um, You talked about just other collateral, like telling the right story and being able to design those things, getting the right people around you. Um, You talked about narrowing right into your niche and in your case is knowing, yep, my lane is retail. And, uh, And it's not that you don't ever going to, span from that but you're I think about Simon Sinek's start with why um, which is all around that humanization but it's it's also the starting with who you know quite often we get caught up in the what and the why which is still really valuable as you know in the collateral but it's hard it's really um, tough to make that decision about who am I here to serve Um, and you talked about your LinkedIn was the biggest hurdle first of all just to take that deep breath (laughs) go because it's so public you're like okay I'm doing the right thing (laughs) um brochure the value those things speeding up getting clear around the value proposition and your value you know model you talked about being able to get that right now tackling things like websites and those things that are talking for you and you're not in the room and you talked about you know often when you're going in to see clients that you know they know what their problem is but they don't know how to fix it and right. that's why we've got to articulate that in those brochures you talked about the value of outsourcing to experts don't try and to necessarily recruit everything into one person just try and find the people who can help you yeah. social media program manager you talked about with brony having the systems for her in place you talked about the bookkeeper um, so just not trying to do too much with one person. And I know I was absolutely guilty of that for a long time because uh, people go, oh, it's just easy. You just just get a business manager, just get this, just hire offshore, just do this, just do that. And it's so bloody hard <laughs> um, to keep and doing that. I think too, Jane, that my, you know, what I was paying one person, um, I'm actually, I, I'm not spending any more money. Right. I've just divvied it up. Divvied it up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not more, you know, it's not a greater cost to my to my practice. No. So yeah. So Alison, what would you say if someone was listening to you and they're going, okay, you know, I'm Alison 12 months ago, perhaps I've written my book or maybe I'm 
at a stage where I've just about finished and I'm, I really want to get this practice to work, but maybe I'm scared of niching or whatever that might be. If they're where you are, um, what advice would you have for them if they were sitting there listening to you? Yeah. Uh, look, I would probably say um, I understand the counter, how counterintuitive it is to um, want to be all things to all people, but you are so much harder to buy. Right. So when you know where your expertise lies and who you serve, just go really hard on that and get everything lined up to be positioned there. Yeah. Um, you may take a step backwards um, for a very... For a minute or two but it's what will propel you forward get the book done I wish I had have got this book done it's not that I I had the knowledge I'd had this knowledge in my head for 20 years so <laughs> you know, the knowledge was there it was just the time right. to dedicate to to writing it um and the, the the other thing would be to build your list yeah you know list build your list you know I look at the first two years and you know, of course, there's some of those that I've added into my database, but there's so many people where I just didn't feel comfortable to add them into my database years later. So I've lost a lot of a lot of that, you know. So, but that's just been something that I've really focused on. So they would be be the the key strategies I think that's that's really worked for me. And look, would I want COVID again? Not in a million years. I'm based in Melbourne, so I would not want COVID for a million years. But I've tried to really find this, the silver lining, the shining lights out of COVID. Mm. And what I'd say it's forced me to do is to not be um, lazy. And I don't mean lazy. I mean, I work hard. So it's not yeah. lazy it's in there, but it's working on the right things. It's the discipline yeah. to get all the things in place. Yeah. And COVID forced me to do that. Yeah, which that big one you talked about was consistency. Correct. Just getting that consistency in yes. place and that um, I love what you said before around the cadence of your yes. routines and your meetings and that yes. sort of stuff. Great. Alison, you have been so generous today in sharing all your insights and learnings. You have had a massive year and going for global domination <laughs> um, with the in the retail space. If people would like to reach out to you or connect with you, uh, where would they be best to do that? Uh, on LinkedIn, of course, yeah. Alison Crab. Um, my website is uh, uh, alisoncrab.com.au. Yeah. And my email address is alison at alisoncrab.com.au. So um, that should be fairly easy to, uh, to remember and to find. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all your generous comments. We look forward to having you back and celebrating even more milestones with you. Thanks, Jane. <laughs> I appreciate all your help too. My pleasure.